Hey listeners, Mike here. I'm going to be super, super quick and kind of quiet because the wife is sleeping in a room next door. Just posting a clip from our latest Patreon show where Rachel and I dig deep into 1974's Death Wish starring Charles Bronson. As you know, Rachel is our resident Charles Bronson fiend and we had a great nearly two hour long discussion on this man on the street revenge film co-starring none other than a super young Jeff Goldblum wearing a Jughead helmet and playing a role that you probably never expected Jeff Goldblum to play. Uh, We get into all the fine details of this down, dirty, and grimy Hollywood exploitation movie. So in order to hear all of the near two-hour episode, just become a patron today by going to www.patreon.com slash pod and the pendulum and for as low as two bucks you can hear this in nearly about 40 hours uh, worth of content that we have up there at the moment with more to come so go ahead check out this clip and consider becoming a patron today at patreon.com slash pod and the pendulum all right that's it enjoy this little snippet Patrons, welcome to this month's bonus episode of The Pod and the Pendulum. This is when we kind of get into covering movies we wouldn't necessarily cover on the main show. And I, for one, am really excited to talk about this one. It's something we're recording. Uh, It may be used for a future project or a future show. We've been kind of banking some episodes on the patron uh, for some that might launch next year where we talk about some non-horror movies. Uh, But I am not alone. I am with the person who kind of has helped inspire watching all of these movies. And this one in particular, I'm here with Rachel Reeves. Rachel, how are we? Hi, I am so good because we are here to talk about one of my favorite actors of all time in one of his most iconic roles. So yes, I am thrilled to be here today. What movie is that? So today we are talking about Death Wish, the original 1974 Death Wish starring Charles Bronson. (laughs) Yeah, I I could hear the stop button being slammed if we're like Eli Roth's 2018 (laughs) Death Wish starring Bruce Willis. We aren't here for that. Um, So, you know, let's start with like you. Why don't you tell our listeners your first time when you got to watch this movie, your initial impressions of it and like why you love it so much sure so i am relatively new to this film but it came about because one day i just happened to watch mr majestic which i think is you know related to this film in some ways and 
just absolutely loved Charles Bronson in it and was immediately like, oh my gosh, I love this guy. Um, or sorry, it wasn't Mr. Majestic that I saw first. It was the mechanic. Sorry. Yes. Ugh, the mechanic loved it. And I wanted more immediately. And so my husband was like, oh, well, you should watch Death Wish. And then I watched Death Wish and was just immediately sold. And it sent me down a rabbit hole that I've been um, trying to watch every single film that Charles Bronson has ever made. And um, that's, that's a, a lot. lot of movies. <laughs> yes. He has it's- like a couple hundred credits to his name. Yes. So I'm like almost at 60% and it's been an incredible journey to just like go through this actor's filmography and I've loved every second of it. How long have you been pursuing that journey? Um, A few years, but it's funny. It's like I watched everything that was available on streaming and everything that's available to buy physically, you know, Blu-ray, DVD, whatever. And then all of a sudden kind of hit a brick wall where there's a ton Mm -hmm. of stuff. And I I think this is the case for a lot of films, especially of a certain era where it's just not available or, um, you know, some of them are available. You have to rent them, which is fine. So I've been kind of slowly crossing those ones off the list. I would much rather, you know, give money than like, I can pirate some eventually if I need Mm -hmm. to, but that's my last resort kind of thing. So um, yeah, it's been an ongoing process and I'll I'll get there eventually. (laughs) And do you have any sort of like, do you have like any sort of formula? Like these are the movies I want to watch in this order or is it more whatever you can stumble across? Yeah. I, yeah, no real order. It was just at first, it was just kind of like what was easily available and readily Mm -hmm. accessible. And then after that, like, thank God for Letterboxd. I can just Mm -hmm. like go through and be like, all right, which ones am I missing? All right, let's do this one today. And now it's just, you know, checking them off one by one. Excellent. Mm-hmm. So you, when did you, you've came to come to Death Wish in the past couple years? And what was yeah. your initial impression? Like after you watched Death Wish, what was your first thoughts? My first thoughts was, I, I mean, I loved it. I thought it was such an interesting movie. And it's one of those movies that like didn't initially really sit well with me. But I kind of liked that because mm-hmm. it, it, it really made me think about a lot of things. And it made me just really interested in learning more about this story and just kind of putting it in context of the time and what it was kind of exploring. And I think that it's saying a lot of things that are just quite interesting and doesn't really get enough credit, I think, um, for being as kind of important as I think perhaps it is, especially at this time. Yeah. And I wonder if that's the case I heard this come up recently on a podcast. I think it was the cinephiles where they were talking about first blood, Mm, which mm -hmm. is another like great movie that spawned a number of sequels that are like much different in tone. Yes. And the question was whether or not the sequels, and I think Rocky is guilty of this as well, to a certain extent, if the sequels maybe taint the, view of the original film and what it's saying and maybe it's like cultural value or impact because you know you get to like death wish three <laughs> and they're a bit silly it's more you know action movie cliche very clear-cut bad guys and it's very rah rah where this is not that movie Yes. I Oh, I hardcore agree with that. Yeah, they quickly spiral. Like, I love Death Wish 3. Don't get mm-hmm. me wrong. Like, it is so goofy and so silly and amazing. 
but in no way is it offering like any sort of like <laughs> actual worthwhile commentary, <laughs> whereas I think this one is. Um, and I think that unfortunately, at, you know, two through five, Death Wish was really kind of it's interesting. Death Wish was a big break for Bronson, but then very quickly, Death Wish became you know, kind of the, the downfall of Bronson. Like a millstone well. around his neck at the same. Yes. Yeah. We'll definitely talk about that and how this was his break. Cause he's 52 when he made this, like in yeah. the age when most guys are winding down. This is what made him a star here. And that's incredible yeah. for yeah. me. I was like very familiar with it. I didn't watch it until this past spring. And mm-hmm. it was like on the list of movies I sent you and Jess and Brian and the whole crew saying, I would love to talk about these movies at some point. We have a list of like, I think it's up to 200 movies. Like we have Sounds 200 about right. <laughs> potential episodes planned. I'll be podcasting when I'm 70. Mm-hmm. And like, it's, it's just cause it's just fun. Yeah. But I was like very familiar. Even though I hadn't seen the movie. I was familiar with the content of it. Familiar with like how it had been parodied in like Bronson's yeah. tough guy persona. What's really funny is like I was first introduced through to Charles Bronson, not through his movies, but through like things like People magazine, because my mom owned a beauty parlor with her sisters. And I would now and then go to the beauty shop and like just like kind of help out and read books. And, you know, at every beauty shop, they have like People, the National Enquirer and Vanity Fair. And it was when his wife, Jill Ireland, was like struggling with cancer mm-hmm. and there was a lot of stories about like their marriage and like um him like helping her out and it was very sad you know yeah. like a very so that's how i first came to know like charles bronson was actually through like him grieving for his wife and then before i had seen any of his movies i was familiar with like the power violence band charles bronson a, <laughs> of course you were <laughs> have, have you heard them yes i've heard them, and awesome. i love it because it's like yeah. there's not a ton of like charles bronson merch but there is some charles bronson the band yeah. merch that you can yeah. get away with I, you they're so good yeah there's i like also complete spaz core I met Jeff Rickley, you know, the lead singer of Thursday, mm-hmm. like he played here like not, not that long ago, like months ago. And he said something about his favorite band being Charles Bronson. And That's I was awesome. like, and I was like, Jeff, my favorite act. I was like, look at my screensaver. I, it's like, I know it's not the same, but my favorite. Like the Wonder Twins George. right there. It's amazing. <laughs> yes. I would maybe we'll throw some of their. Because like they have like a twelve minute album, and I think it's like ten <laughs> songs. Like it yeah. might even be fifteen songs. Yeah, like very much in the vein of bands like like Gordon Soli, Motherfuckers, and things like that. Like absolute mm-hmm. crazed music. Um, I was really impressed after watching this. Like it was a lot more nuance, and I I can understand the criticism criticisms mm-hmm. of it, and we'll get into that. And they definitely we're a bit more glaring on rewatch, but it doesn't come off as an exploitation movie. It comes off as a seventies thriller. And I think if you know us, if there's one thing we love, it's like 1970s thriller and drama. The best era in American filmmaking. Um, And I just like, I appreciate things like him never finding his wife's killers like that would be in a lesser movie that would be the whole movie like he would be searching for his wife's the people that killed his wife and and, and assaulted his daughter and it's never even addressed he doesn't even seem interested in 
getting revenge for that. It's more about him devolving as a person. So let's talk about how this came to be. It is Death Wish. The movie is based on a book from 1972 written by Brian Garfield. And the book has the same name. And Garfield was inspired. Garfield, the cat was inspired. (laughs) He was inspired to write this after a series of bad Mondays and being out of lasagna. Um, (laughs) The writer was inspired to write this after he was mugged. And then shortly thereafter, like his car was broken into. And he recalled thinking like, I could kill the son of a bitch that did this to me, which I would say like that's a pretty common train of thought, right? Yes. Understandable. Yeah, totally understandable. It's it feels helpless. Like your stuff has been gone through. You you're made to feel scared. So he remembers having this these thoughts when he was really angry, and then he snapped out of it, thinking like, "Well, I I can't go through life feeling like this. Like justice has to be served." But then he thought, "Well, what if a person like fell into this line of thinking?" but never came out of it. Like just kind of went down that rabbit hole, which is fascinating, right? Mm -hmm. I think, I mean, these are all like super common thoughts. And I think that's, what's like so interesting about this film is just kind of the way it explores that. And it's just, yeah, it's so uncomfortable because we've all had those thoughts, which inevitably make you kind of think, what would it take for me to take that step? Mm-hmm. And I mean, we've all had situations like I had my house broken into and that feeling of being violated and having my stuff stolen and not knowing who it was and just that there was somebody like other people in my house like that feeling like still like is just so visceral. And like I it was just the one of the worst feelings ever. And so I can relate to just this kind of idea of you know, I need to do something about it, but what? And not knowing even who to take it out on. Like, that's what's yeah. so hard. And I think that's what's so interesting about this. And even the author himself just thinking about, like, I don't even know who this is, but I just want to feel like I'm doing something to let everybody yeah. know that I was wronged and this was not right. <laughs> yeah, very much so. Um, yeah, I've never had my house broken into, but my car has been broken into mm. before. Mm-hmm. I remember like the, the street I live on, we live in like a pretty, not even suburban, like it's a, it's a right to farm community. And mm-hmm. when we first moved in here, there were like a series of car break-ins in our neighborhood. And I remember calling the neighbor next door and our houses, our, our yards are deep, but narrow, meaning like mm-hmm. they're not super far apart, but like we have like big backyards. And I remember calling them and leaving a message and then being in my home office later with the window open and hearing like, hey, someone left a message, like some guy left a message about <laughs> cars being because like they run like a pool business. So it's a bunch of people that are in and out and they had no, they're super lovely people. Like we yeah. got to know them a little. Um like their old, old, old dog was in our yard randomly one day. So we just brought him Aww. in because no one was home. And mm-hmm. this giant tatted dude comes in to our house and it's just like snuggling their dog and making Aww. noises. And it was very cute. So <laughs> the pool pros are good people. Um, anyway, so he writes this book and it's optioned by the producers, Hal Landers and Bobby Roberts. They optioned this book and another of his called Relentless. And they're like, hmm. you can write one of the two screenplays. Which one do you want to do? He chose Relentless, figuring it would be the easier one to adapt. 
so now they're trying to make this movie and it feels like this is a period where there is a real appetite for revenge movies for vigilante movies throughout the 1970s which ones do you think are like six are kind of responsible for paving the way for something like death wish to take place that is a great question and i'm not exactly sure but i feel like it was just like such a 